Welcome to Gospel Central, where we discuss topics that will encourage Christians live their lives in a way that's pleasing to God. We're specifically interested to know how the very center of the Christian faith, that is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, empowers us to live these lives that are both zealous for God and pleasing to Him. So, I'm Simon, and really glad today to have uh, my friend and fellow pastor, uh, Jacob Ng, who is uh, on with me today. So, Jacob, welcome. It's great to have you. Good to be here, Simon. Uh, Jacob has been a pastor at RAC for a number of years, and there's so much that I could tell you all about him, but I'm going to rather allow him to tell us a little bit about himself. And uh, he's also recently been on a sabbatical and has just come back from that and has had many, I think, things that God's done in him during that Mm. time. So I thought it would be great for us to get to know Jacob better, as well as just learn what God's been uh, doing in you during your sabbatical. So... Jacob, thanks so much again. Why don't you um, begin telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, growing up, how you came to faith, those kinds of things. Yeah, um, for those who are tuning in and not part of REC, I'm Jacob, been a pastor here uh, for, I think, seven, eight years or so. Yeah, uh, Been here, you just reminded me that I was here for like 10 over years. <laughs> 10 over years in total, a whole decade of your life. Has <laughs> <laughs> it been such a long time? Crazy. So I joined this church when I was a young man, um, and I'm turning 40 this year. So it's been a long time, um, but well, really, really wonderful to be here. Yeah, That's really, really glad. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about Jacob. Jacob arrived at RHC with his girlfriend, <laughs> Yvonne, in about August of 2009. And uh, I remember you were wearing a Chelsea football jersey. Yes. Uh, you were a young man wearing a Chelsea football jersey. <laughs> and uh, we got chatting after the service and... Um, yeah, I just remember having an imp- like a real impression meeting you and just a sense mm. that God, th- this was a, someone who loved God, was zealous for him, serious about him, and was excited to see to see what God would do with your life. And it has been such a joy to walk with you these last 10 years and to be co-laborers in the gospel, brother. Yeah, brother. Thanks for uh, reminding me of, of that meeting. Um, my ex-girlfriend, now my <laughs> wife, uh, you were responsible for marrying us. Uh, <laughs> really, really been thankful to be part of this church and how you guys have been working with us um we have two kids now <laughs> jet is uh turning eight in three days time oh, wow. so this Saturday we are celebrating his birthday justice just turned six three months ago oh, my gosh so looking back there's just so many things to give thanks for and god has been using our time in rac to mold to shape us to help us as a family as individuals and we're just so grateful um, for the time in rac that's fantastic yeah. uh so jacob Tell us, tell me a bit about family, growing up, how you came to faith. Uh, You were not born in a Christian family, that's right? No. So I uh, was born in a non-Christian family. Uh, My my parents, uh, they were the the very typical uh, Chinese um, type family. Um, Lots of superstition and um, pretty much hostile towards uh, the Christian faith. Uh, I remember from young that I was being told that I shouldn't be joining any kind of Christian groups. Um, even at a young age, when I proposed joining the Boys Brigade, which is like a Christian CCA in school, uh, my parents responded really, really badly. Um, so that's the context of me growing up. And just being painted in my mind, uh, this idea that the Christian faith is for those who are, you know, who live in the West, the Westerners, and okay. for people who are Westernized. Whereas an Asian Chinese like me, uh, we have our own root and history and culture, and okay. you know, Christianity is outside of us. So that was the belief that I had, 
and some experiences with Christians wasn't quite uh, pleasant as well. Okay. I remember there was someone who knocked at my door. Uh, I was probably in my late teen and they they were like they were telling me that there's a one true God uh, that is different from the idols that I was worshipping at home by pointing okay. to the altar that we had at home. And at that point of time, uh, it just seemed so insensitive. Um, and I, I remember for, for many years just having that very negative impression towards um, the, the Christians and the Christian faith. Uh, but... Uh, God redemptively through friendship that I had with um, people in school um, helped me to see that there is something marvelous from the character of those who witnessed the faith to me uh, went to church I even attended a church camp as a non-Christian really <laughs> yeah and, and that has such a profound impact on me just wow. seeing how Christian love and treat one another um, that that was fascinating to me uh, as a young person so that drew me in I, I got more and more interested um, sat under preaching for like maybe about a year or two uh, before I decided to follow Jesus so wow. that was my story in, in a nutshell that's yeah. fantastic so how old were you uh, when you finally put your faith in Jesus yeah when I made that decision I was um, probably about 19 okay or so um, but I you know, looking back, uh, a, a lot of it is still very much on like what God can do for me, the basis of that faith, right? Okay. Um, God can make me a happier person. God can give me blessings. Uh, and then after you receive all the blessing in this life now, you get to enjoy eternal life forever. So that sounds like a huge de- good deal. <laughs> it is a good deal. Uh, <laughs> it is a good deal. Uh, we call that the, the good news, right? The, the gospel. But it, it's still just part of the story. Um, much of my life... Uh, in, in those days, uh, it still revolved around myself. Um, God hasn't quite broken into my life to change my heart. Okay. And um, now looking back, I half wonder, you know, was I truly safe uh, at that point in time? Uh, in my uni days, uh, you know, I, I went through a really tough time. Uh, I went through like, maybe in, in today's term, people talk about it as like depression, something okay. along those lines. But uh, 10 over years ago, uh, that's not something, that's not a category that I was introduced to. Okay. Um, and in that time of brokenness, I'm um, just seeing how God restored, healed, healed me and helped me to see that there were actually many things in my life which I worship that is not Him. And through that, uh, coming to a greater sense of appreciation of repentance, understanding how broken and sinful I am, and through that, seeing the grace of Jesus being marvelous and wonderful in my life. So that changed my life completely. Um, and at age 27, I really felt God could be calling me to full-time ministry. That's amazing. And a year or two after you planted REC and I came. So the rest is history, they say. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that road toward full-time ministry, actually? Uh, you've been a pastor here, as you mentioned, for about mm. eight years or so. I seem to remember you, you started pretty gradually, a couple of days a week while you were still studying. So do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about how God put that desire in you for mm. ministry and how maybe you, you felt affirmed in that call and the journey toward ministry? Yeah, I was um, teaching in uh, two different polytechnics uh, after graduating from university and I felt very strongly uh, as an educator that I wanted to teach not just contents and help my students to succeed in life, but I want to teach them things about God that, that could help uh, them to find Him eventually. So I ended up in this uh, diploma course um, in my second school that we were training students to start and run social enterprises, okay. which is business with a social cause, business with a heart. And then I realized uh, in that three, four years of teaching there that 
the many students that came through my class, I could teach them moral, I could teach them values, I could teach them best practices, integrity, and the effect of it often is uh, they end up looking to themselves ultimately. They look at themselves and they realize that they can be righteous, they can be good. In fact, there's a subtle sense of self-righteousness that um, we, can, we can do good in this world apart from God. And in a sense, that there's some truth to it, right? Because we're all image bearers. But I, I also see how in the process, as I try to share my faith with some of them, there was that inability for them to see that they are sinners that is... Uh, who are in need of grace and so that got me thinking um, what is the best way what is God calling me to do another thing that has influenced me in my life um, earlier on uh, would be campus ministry uh, which is um, like you probably have heard of like navigators of campus course, crusade yeah. um, and ministry like that I, I found them to be of great encouragement to me in my younger days so being involved in that ministry also helped to sort of confirm that I do have a strong desire to make disciples for Christ and God has used me in my weaknesses, in my often uh, ignorance as well um, to, to just make an impact in people's life. I, I don't know how he, he does that, but he has a track record of showing me again and again that he can use me in my weaknesses uh, to still make an impact in people's life. And there were quite a few students who came to faith. Wow. So that was... So that must have been quite affirming, I guess, to begin to see yeah. like, some fruit in, in ministry there. Yeah. So seeing those fruits, hearing about how I have intentionally or unintentionally made impacts in people's life, um, it's it just been really encouraging to me. And then um, just feeling that subjective call from God that He could be calling me to the mission field or full-time ministry, being open to that, talk to a few people. Um, we did talk to each other as well at some point or on that um, when you know I just saw some gaps things in RAC the church was growing and seeing how God could use me to serve people and serve the church so in little ways um, it all adds up and I just felt more and more convicted that God has called me to this so yeah that's wonderful um, do you want to before we get into talking a bit about your break and your sabbatical do you want to tell us a little bit more about your role at RHC and what you're involved in and what your passions are here in ministry. I just really enjoy being with people. Um, last Sunday, we had our first in-person live service uh, for like, how long was that? 10, ten months. Ten months. Um, and the night before, I couldn't sleep because I was so excited. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Did you feel the what same way? What a great pastor, of course. <laughs> what a great pastor you are. Yeah, I was just so excited to be able to see um, people that we can finally gather, take communion, worship God together and I don't know whether that's oversimplifying my passion um, on one hand I'm, I'm highly introverted you know in my natural mode I really love to spend time by myself on the other hand <laughs> but no one would say that <laughs> Jacob is, uh, is known as super pastor <laughs> no that's, uh, you, you are the one who called me that <laughs> <laughs> I am the one who called you that because it's true <laughs> uh, but on the other hand I really do enjoy uh, spending time with people so I'm always like conflicted that way uh, hopefully that's a that's a good thing that God has put in me um, to be self-aware that I do want to go to him and spend time with him alone uh, I, I enjoy extended time of just reading my my Bible and just writing my journal mm -hmm. and quiet time with him but I I do really really enjoy working with people um, working with sufferers particularly okay uh, so my natural predisposition is uh, I, I'm drawn to uh, 
you know, when I see someone who is suffering, God just placed that grace on me mm. to to want to draw near and mm. to understand and to, um, you know, hopefully through that interaction that the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ could be shared with the person. So that's been something that I enjoy doing. Um, in the past few years, just being involved with RSC, God also has been growing in me a desire to preach His word clearly okay to preach his word with clarity and compassion and that you know pointing to christ uh, it's just as simple as that right the bible tells us that faith comes through hearing right and i when i first came on staff i i don't know whether you remember that but i did mention about how i'm actually quite reluctant to be preaching uh and i'm happy to be teaching i'm happy to be leading people i'm happy to walk with people but preaching is like you know simon you can do that uh, <laughs> But I look back on my past seven years, God has really uh, grown a deep love uh, mm. in my heart for preaching His Word um, and just growing in my courage, my boldness um, in just sharing His Word plainly. So it's been fascinating seeing how God changed me over the years. That's really, really wonderful. Um, I think those two things do sum up uh, a lot of your ministry here at RHC. Mm. And I think they do complement each other so well too, right? Where I think people at RHG typically love your preaching because of how real it is. And I think that sense of you walking with people, loving people so deeply, uh, coming alongside people in their suffering really gives your preaching an edge because it's not just theory and kind of taking technical truths and throwing them at people, but it's really wrestling with the reality of God's word and then knowing how to apply that very, very beautifully. And I think that's why your preaching does minister to people so much. So. It's wonderful to see how God does take our different gifts and use them together, actually, to complement each other and then yeah. strengthen and build up the church. Yeah, well, you've been such an amazing blessing uh, at RHC. Really, really been a joy to walk with you uh, all these years. Jacob, uh, we didn't, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but is the assistant lead pastor. So mm-hmm. part of his role is also leading the second congregation at RHC, leading that team of elders, caring for them, um, that care for that kind of part of of RHC uh, and then as, as assistant lead pastor I guess being involved with a lot of cultural things in the church right mm-hmm. and helping to shape the values how we want to do things pressing the gospel in um, which is something that you are really so so strong at as well so you have just come back from sabbatical uh, after right. seven years you had three months uninterrupted due to COVID you weren't able to travel so uh, how did you feel about that was that was that a disappointment to you and, and how did that end up working out uh, yeah mm, not at all um, I mean initially if I'm honest I am honest initially <laughs> we were a bit uh, disappointed that we were not able to travel I'm sure but God has um, just over the past three months uh, helped me to see that that was actually really helpful okay um, for me i'll got, get to that a little bit later okay. but just let me zoom out a little bit about um how i feel about just rest in general uh before the sabbatical i actually spent a while just wanting to clarify my thoughts on what rest is and i was like pretty fascinated to see how um, the concept of the sabbath is such a huge thing in the bible okay uh, i i look at passages in the old testament in which passages like Exodus 31 above all keep the Sabbath mm. so the Old Testament makes a big deal of Sabbath keeping and, and rest yeah and rest and we do see that in, even in the time when Jesus arrived on the scene um, a lot of the, the uh, his encounter with people they happened on the Sabbath where mm. he would challenge the Pharisees challenge their understanding 
perform his miracles and get to the heart of what the Sabbath is. Mm. And um, in that process of me preparing myself to go for the sabbatical, as I look at all these texts, um, an awareness in me was growing. Um, it just uh, realizing that actually I've been neglecting Sabbath keeping okay. uh, for so long, both as a Christian and as a pastor. I mean, you don't you don't do that intentionally, right? To to break um, God's command. Um, but it's more of like maybe it could be the culture where often when we talk about sin, we talk about uh, things that we have done wrong um, in the way we understand what is wrong and grievous to God. But often downplaying that the inability to enter into rest is actually grievous to him as well, mm. just based on how the scripture portrays for us the importance of the Sabbath. That really does kind yeah. of elevate it, right? And make you realize this is a lot more serious than many of us are yeah. likely to take it. Yeah, and the heart of it is self-reliance. The heart of it is um, often thinking that I can solve issues by working harder. Okay. Or if I am more well-trained, if I am wiser and better I can overcome it Okay, which could be the root of why sometimes you struggle in our prayer life because we actually don't see that we need God I'm, I'm putting that as plainly and as bluntly as I could um, but the weight was on me because I realized that like even I was thinking about when was the last time when I confessed my sin it has to do with like not keeping the Sabbath regularly um, so I thought I was a hardworking pastor by like <laughs> I thought you were a hardworking pastor too <laughs> yeah like Friday is my off day and often I would negotiate with my wife no it's, it's my off day you know let's still squeeze in a meeting here and there um, and God in that few months leading up to the sabbatical just revealed that that was not pleasing mm. to him I, I don't think it is about like legalistically you know trying to apply some of these rules okay. because Jesus is always getting to how the Sabbath um, but I'm um, I'm just sharing the journey yes. and how I've been confronted um, through that. And then seeing how actually God really does want us to be a joyful people. And there's a sense of rest, there's a sense of joy that comes from being rested in Him. Mm. So um, those are, in a nutshell, some of the big picture items that we have learned over the past few months. Just seeing that there is so much joylessness um, among some of the people that we are working with. Okay. Often ourselves, we have to fight for joy. Um, you know, like a lot of like difficult things that are happening in life. But the joy that the scripture talks about is a quiet restedness and trust and faith in who God is. And I don't think it's just a matter of like reading the Bible and say that I can intellectually affirm that and agree with that. I think experientially, that's the thing that is missing. And um, God has been gracious to review that to us and to help us to see that those are the things that we need to sort out during the three months of break and I'm really grateful to do that in Singapore yeah that's amazing I think you know when you talk about rest it's easy for us to begin to think about blocks of time mm. downtime etc talking about the heart of rest and then talking about both prayer life your, your prayer life as well as joy I guess really get to like part of the fruit of what true rest is mm. and, and do make it a lot more real, right? Like, I guess it could be technically possible for a Christian to say, okay, I'm going to just block off my calendar for a day, but they're not getting to the heart of actually communing with God, having fellowship with Him and yeah. finding their hearts, like you said, at rest in Him. And two massive indicators of that are prayer, pr our prayer how much we rely on God, mm. and our joy. So that's... That's really insightful, and I think that does help us to 
look at rest not from a legalistic or technical point of view but as you mentioned to try and get to the heart of it yep yes that's right yeah. wow so i remember you sharing with me that initially obviously it was disappointing that you couldn't travel but that ended up being a grace to you because it gave you an opportunity to try and think about actually life here in singapore mm. and how you can try and live in a sustainable way so do you want to maybe share some of your reflections or things that you learned on sabbatical or ways that god worked in you yeah um so the wonderful blessing about doing a sabbatical in Singapore is that we are able to break away from this um, typical idea that a sabbatical must be spent away, somewhere far away where people cannot contact you. But being, you know, I, I don't want to use the word trap in Singapore because that sounds really negative. <laughs> there um, are worse places in the world to be trapped. <laughs> that's right. Um, we are grateful to be in Singapore. You know, it's safe and um, it's wonderful in so many ways. Um, I think what God has been doing over the past three months is just helping me, helping my family to develop better habits. Okay. Things that we can continue without having to rely on getting away. Um, I was just like realizing that there were certain habits in my life that were not helpful. Okay. And over the past few months, um, God has just helped us to, number one, be aware. Number two, just um, have the time and space to develop good habits. Uh, we, we did like... Um, some materials uh, during the Advent season and that really helped in our family devotional life together which um, I'm hoping that we will continue that um, and we have been trying to do that regularly right now uh, and other things that are not obviously spiritual like exercise, rest, sleeps those are also things that I felt challenged to address and to just stare at myself and ask how sustainable was the way I live my life. So um, some context, uh, like I, I did share with you a little bit about my reliance on coffee. I typically drink about um, two to three cups of coffee a day. What kind of coffee do you drink? Tell us. <laughs> um, like, How do you take your coffee? <laughs> Black coffee uh, without sugar. Um, and I, I like it to be thick and strong. Um, and So uh, in other words, like one cup for you is probably the equivalent of three cups for <laughs> yeah, other people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not talking about latte or flat white. I'm talking about you go to the cof- coffee shop, you know, kopi o koshong right. Yeah, that, that kind. Thick. Thick. Um, and that affects my sleep. So I I find myself um, sometimes struggling to enter into sleep. Okay. So it's almost like you you are struggling to enter into rest at night. Uh, and and then the, the next day, because you're not well rested, you rely more on coffee. So mm. I, I saw that cycle in my life playing out so you know I could go on and on about the different examples um, but in a nutshell there are things that are uh, as a family we, we want to look into our life and consider what is the best way for us to live together as a family who, who is on a mission for Jesus and serve him well and retain the fire that we have the love that we have for Jesus as a family and pass on our faith faithfully to our kids first before we talk about like, people outside of our home and be consistent with our life at home and outside. And then the other thing would be like, just personal lifestyle and habits, um, which uh, I'm just becoming more and, aware, more and more aware that these are practical things that we do need to work on. So I'm actually really glad to be in. Tell me a little bit more, like personal lifestyle habits, what, what kinds of things were you challenged by? Uh, exercise. Um, it's so obvious, right? Uh, sleep exercise diet not too much coffee <laughs> <laughs> not too much coffee um, but often you, you are tempted to say that I'm too busy and there are other more important things um, 
over the past few months, I, I think I, I need to arrive at a place where I can say that is a priority. Mm. I need to go out for my run. Mm. I need to go for my cycling. Um, and it's not just about the physical benefits of those activities. Uh, my mental health, yes. my emotional health, I, I do notice that I get more grumpy when, when I don't do those things. So, um, you grumpy? <laughs> I, I do. Um, and even practical things like pursuing hobbies. Okay. Yeah, having things that we can give our life to, our attention to, our love to in, in a healthy way. Um, and I find those things to be very, very important because otherwise my life is just family and church. Um, I don't know how much you want, want me to elaborate, bro, but those are some realizations that I had over the past few months. Well, that's really good. I think, you know, even things like hobbies or, or exercising, uh, I know you made the link to mental health, but I think for for many of us, those disciplines, like you say, it's not just about the fitness or being able to have an extra, uh, you know, plate of food at the hawker center <laughs> because you had your run, but that space to pray, to think, is a huge part of it, of, of well-being as well. So uh, those things do become important for a sustainable life. Mm. Uh, what are some of the other things you felt that God did in you or, or showed you about yourself over the, over the months? Um, there's something that's extremely humbling and uh, that involved you preaching over the live stream uh, a few, maybe about a month ago. Uh, you you say something in, in your introduction of a sermon uh, that uh, often tiredness and fatigue can cause us to sin and we must be very very careful especially when we are tired yeah. and I remember yeah uh, do you remember that you yeah that? I think we we're saying that at the end of 2020 it's a long year and many people are fatigued and that can be an opportunity for the for the devil who's prowling around to mm. strike yeah and in my experience Simon uh, having been well rested well fed exercise and you know feeling that i'm in a good place uh i was struggling with my own flesh as well okay um and and just realizing that whether we are going through a tough time or a good time the struggle with the flesh is real um and it's worse in some ways right because if you're tired and hungry you can say that those are things that i'm going through and therefore i'm more prone to sin <laughs> right there's something to blame yeah but when you are not and you're still discontented uh, when and then you are still feeling unhappy about life, um, you know, struggling to give thanks uh, on certain things or being impatient and unkind to your own wife and kids. You see that the problem of sin is far deeper than you dare mm -hmm. to confess. Uh, you know, this is a gospel podcast, right? And this is where the gospel comes in. Right? You're realizing how bad and awful you are and then seeing the faithfulness and the grace of God and the love of Christ and Him still assuring you that you are His child. I think that was just really amazing um, for me to go through that. Um, and then seeing that it is by His grace that He's revealing things in my heart and helping me to grow. So that was one of the most amazing process of seeing that God really does love me. So it's weird, right? Like when God confronts you of sin and as a child, you actually know and recognize His hand and know that that's how the Father showed His love for us. Yeah, it's amazing. I was, I was yeah. just about to say that that sounds so contradictory in a sense, right? Yeah. God's helping you see your sin and yet through that you're seeing his love. But that is exactly how the gospel works on us, right? Where mm. 
at the same time that we're understanding our wickedness, we see that God is for us, has given Jesus for us, which actually frees us to be able to confess even more freely, mm. acknowledge our sins uh, and confess them. So, yeah, that, that really is humbling. I think um, I, I can be prone to just blame my, uh, my circumstances for a lot of my sinfulness or at least think that my circumstances are what makes it harder for me but that's really challenging when we realize, actually, even when things are going well, that wickedness is still prevalent and something we yeah. need to be on our guard against and fight against. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One more thing that I can share. Uh, I spent the past three months worshiping with One Covenant Church, uh, Z Church, uh, Z who used to be one of our pastors at REC. That's right. Uh, it's just really wonderful to be sitting under God's words. Um, coming from a dear brother. And, you know, one thing to give thanks for is uh, just seeing how he has worked in One Covenant Church, growing the church, helping the people there, and just seeing in, in a fresh perspective um, God's work and His word afresh from you know, different people. And um, one of the things that I felt challenged in my heart as I sat under the preaching, um, G was preaching through James, and the book of Genesis, he was you know, finishing the series on Genesis during my time there, I actually became more aware that one of the reasons why I am constantly restless and anxious uh, is because uh, I just really, really have misplaced priorities in my life. Um, okay. So um, maybe to backtrack a little bit, I during the sabbatical, I have been knocking on God's door and asking Him again and again to just help me to be not anxious at all as a person. Okay. Just remove all the worries and anxieties that I often find myself battling with. And through the word that was preached in that season repeatedly, um, and, and it's more than just what the preacher is saying, but the spirit is impressing on me. I'm just seeing that, you know, there's so much insecurities, mainly because um, there's, there are misplaced priorities. Is okay. Let me explain a little bit. Um, I realized that a lot of my anxieties revolve around performance like how well I perform how well I live up to the expectation of people and then I know intellectually that those things matters not that much to God at all okay but my character my standing with him my godliness those things matter most to him and I just felt God challenging me and and asking me um, in that subjective impression of the Holy Spirit uh, that are you anxious about the sin in your life that okay. is separating me from you in our fellowship. Okay. Uh, would, would you want to, you know, look at those things as the more important and urgent issues okay. in, in, in my own life? Or do you just want to reduce your challenges in life to how well you perform, how good you are in the things that you're doing? And then that was when I realized that, wow, actually I haven't felt half as anxious about the scene that I was struggling with than for my lack of performance and for like you know, letting people down if they expect me to perform at a certain level and, and so on. So that was um, pretty convicting, the whole experience. Um, and it's interesting how God used the new environment that I was in through another preacher opening the word and over the period of uh, a few weeks, I'm um, just revealing those things to me and helping me to grow in those areas. So I'm really grateful for that. So. That's amazing. It seems like a sabbatical really well spent uh, where you've really tried to draw near to God and 
I mean, I'm sure he's done many things in you, but hearing just some of these um, reflections on what you've learned and how God's revealed things inside of you, yeah. I'm sure that's really going to set you up for another wonderful couple of years of ministry ahead, hopefully many, many decades to come. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Uh, as you come back back into ministry after a three-month sabbatical, uh, do you want to maybe tell us one or two things you're most excited about or looking forward to uh, or what is kind of energizing you for this year ahead? Yeah, the, the thing that I'm most excited about is that we are able to have proper in-person ch- church services. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really grateful that I come back during this time when services are resuming. Um, I am also really grateful that I didn't experience much of Monday Blue at all. Uh, I, I came in and I was just really grateful and thankful. Number one, for the opportunity to rest over the past few months. And number two, that God has placed me in a place where I can see Him active and at work in you know, many things around me. Um, in a church that loves Jesus, imperfect, but is growing in our love and affection for Jesus. Last Sunday when we were worshipping God together, I could see people really, really move mm. um, by the time of worship and taking communion together. Now, Simon, that is not to be taken for granted at all. To see God's spirits mm. at work and producing fruits um, in people's life, I'm really grateful to be part of the work that he's doing in this church and in Singapore. Well, I'm so glad that you're happy to come back to work. That <laughs> makes me very happy. Uh, I'm really, really glad to have you back. And... Yeah, very excited to see what God's going to do with you this year in your rested, in your well-rested state. And looking forward for us as well, who've um, not had the sabbatical recently, to just learning some of these things from you too. So thanks so much for making time, for being with us. Really, really grateful to you for joining. Hope to have you on again so we can talk again sometime. Uh, one of the things that we are doing as we wrap up the podcast is we uh, just ask if there are any good books that, someone's read that they want to recommend did you read anything or anything that you read recently or last year that you want to recommend to us um i'll just narrow it down to one book uh that had made a huge impact on me uh in 2020 um uh safe and sound by david Pallison. okay uh, interestingly it's a really really short book but it just has such a huge profound impact on my life um I think you have you may have read that book before, right? I have not read Safe and Sound yet. Okay, uh, we we bought that for the pastors. Yeah, uh, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I just am so so blessed by that book on um, spiritual warfare, uh, and it's also the last book that David Paulson wrote before he passed on okay. in uh, the middle of twenty nineteen. So it basically summarizes um, some of his. Uh, your greatest wisdom in the area of spiritual warfare and how he sees counseling ministry, pastoral ministry as part of the spiritual warfare that God has invited us into to stand firm in the victory of Christ and That's to beautiful. fight the spiritual warfare. Um, and I've just been so blessed by it. So really recommend um, everyone, especially those who are interested in ministry, uh, to pick up that book. I'm sure it will be a blessing to you. That's fantastic. David Paulinson from CCEF uh, has written a lot of books on counseling, mm. walking with people. We've recommended many of them at RHC. Mm. Uh, his little book, Why Does Sanctification What's it called? Um, how Does Sanctification Sorry, work? How yeah. Does Sanctification Why Does Sanctification Work? No, not Why <laughs> Does Sanctification. How Does Sanctification Work? 
uh, is a 100 page book that will leave a huge impression on someone's heart as well so mm-hmm. thanks for that recommendation that was safe and sound by david Pallison. jacob thank you so much for joining us thanks for listening look forward to chatting again